This episode of the OP Radio Podcast, sponsored by me. The holiday season right around the corner. Don't forget about the kid. I got merch for you. OPRadio.com. Check it out, bitches. Yo. Yo, what's up, kid? How is, uh, wait, how's the audio? Is it, is it all right? What are you thinking right now? I'm thinking that uh, you're a rock star, my friend. No, but just can you hear me okay is what I'm what I'm wondering. That's what, that's what I'm really working with here. What? Can you hear me okay? Can you uh, adjust the volume a little bit? Uh, hang on. I mean, no, I can't. But what I can do what? is... Uh, He's being an asshole. You are. Yeah. Hey, how are you, Matt Farrer from The Smoking Tire? I miss you, you bitch. I am uh, I'm good man. I'm at, I'm at work right now and like not like regular work. Like you know I, I have a shop that I opened up called Westside Collector Car Storage. Like yeah. brick and mortar business. Beautiful. Taking it old school. Yeah. And you know it's my first time doing brick and mortar business, so obviously, you know, terrified. <laughs> and, and I have I absolutely no idea what I'm doing um, and trying to pretend like I do. Yeah. Uh, and I have my other job, the Smoking Tire podcast, Smoking Tire video series, but I actually have shop hours <laughs> Friday and Saturday. I'm like at the shop. <laughs> like. I've known you a few years now, and uh, it's really strange to hear that you have an actual job. Isn't that stupid? <laughs> it really is stupid. You, I, I got the hiccups now. My whole goal in life was to never have a real job, thanks to my dad. You know, I've felt exactly the same way for so long. You know, yeah. My dad, such a successful man, up at 5 a.m., putting on a suit, going into the city every day and i was just like fuck no i'm not gonna do that yeah it turns out the work ethic is exactly the same suit or no suit i'm still a fucking workaholic the stability of parking collector vehicles at west side collector car storage um where building the building itself was fucking impossible but the actual day-to-day of running the business cars come in cars go out cars get washed you know it's fairly mellow it, it sounds like it's actually a really cool gig, to be honest with you. And, and you own the business, man. I mean, it's I own the business, I own the land, and yeah. I own the building. So, you, so we're in good shape. And I've got my my studio. I built a beautiful podcast studio, and so now I get to pay rent to myself, right? Which rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, a little write off for the for the, yeah, the kid, little, man. Di- little deduction. We're yeah. good. <laughs> I uh, uh, I'm I'm kind of writing off the beach house these days because I my studio is here so I just awesome I I open up this uh, sliding glass door upstairs I'm looking at the ocean and this is my goddamn studio I love it Mr Taxman I I built this building and so that that allowed me to um, 
you know, the freedom to, to, to start from nothing. So yeah. you've got the sickest internet connection here. Beautiful. I can like, st- I'm streaming 4k. Like it's Holy nothing. Shit. I mean, it's awesome. You know, it's so like, I totally get like, you know, why Joe and Adam Carolla and all them built like a, yeah. you know, a great, a great studio. Cause yeah. like when you're in that great studio, it just like, it gets you like mentally in the, in the space, you know? Well, uh, I'm a little different. Um, I have to yell at my kids to get off the Wi-Fi so I can do a Facebook live, but you know, we're, we're both in no, the No, but game. you're like the opposite. Cause you like, I, I, you know, I remember talking to you when you first, the first started doing the podcast Yeah, and you, you were so into the freedom of walking around with that zoom recorder yes because you were stuck in the studio yes for the whole time yes whereas whereas to me because i've only ever built my own studio that i work in on my own schedule like i don't have that sort of like get me out of here thing yeah you know no i'm uh i'm starting to think that i might make one last run at this thing and and uh it's exciting but it's also like ah fuck because i do like just turning on my facebook live fooling around with the people and then if uh, some of the stuff's good i i put it on a podcast the other times i talk to my friends like you matt farah forgetting the corporate bullshit of it you right. still love doing radio right a hundred percent uh yeah. and i'm a one-man band basically which is really strange because i come from a world where we had almost too many uh staff members yeah, yeah t- there was back when you guys were doing the show, you know, in the city, doing the full the full radio show. Yeah, there was always like all those people, like all these yeah. fucking interns around. Yeah. yeah, and every once in a while, I'd be like, "What are any of these assholes doing?" Thank you. <laughs> and look, we had some talented people that worked on the staff over the years. So I'm gonna, but I'm gonna speak in general terms. And there were a lot of people that worked for us. Some of them were absolutely talented, and others were just biding their time to eat us alive and take over our fucking show man so i don't know why we hired all those people because there were a lot of times when we were running on all cylinders me anthony and jim norton we didn't need all those people they were just in our way and they were all just like gossiping in the back room which kind of made the kind of made the environment incredibly toxic and they were yeah and they were biding their times and they were trying to get but their own shows on the like channel production and, and shit weren't they weren't people doing production and and making promos and gathering clips and doing shit like that like i said they uh there were some talented people and certainly they were needed to a point but then there were times i'm like wow man i don't think we need all these people yeah, you know because it's yeah, yeah. it's about just turning on the microphones and going you know Dude, it happens in my industry as well. Like we were last year, because you know, I, I write, um, <clears throat> I write about cars too. I write for Road and Track Magazine, which is yeah. like one of the things like I'm like the most proud of in my whole life because it's the magazine I like grew up reading, and so to have my name on the byline now, like, just kind of kicks ass. Whatever, right? Yeah. So definitely. last year we did a thing called Performance Car of the Year testing, which is a big, you know, big magazine group sports car test, right? So there's journalists, there's photographers, there's a couple videographers. And we're all up at this racetrack, right? Well, Motor Trend is another publication, very well-known, you know, car magazine. They had the track the day after us. Wow. Okay? And they were doing the video with just, with like one or two cars. Not like the seven cars like we were doing, right? Yeah. Just one or two cars. Because it was performance car of the year, we had the entire editorial staff of our magazine there. The oh, whole, my everybody. God. We're all there. I think the whole editorial staff 
photographers, videographers, everybody was maybe like 12 people. Right. Everybody. That's like the max, right? Yeah. And Motor Trend shows up to just film a regular old episode of their like head to head car comparison series. <laughs> yeah. And they showed up with, I shit you not, like 40 people. Oh my God. And, I, and th- we're, we're, they're making YouTube videos. We're making YouTube videos. And I, and I, I know one of the, the hosts of the show, Johnny Lieberman, is a good friend of mine. I go, Johnny, what the fuck do all these people do? Right. Like, I literally don't, I cannot comprehend what all of these people are doing here. You know, a giant box truck full of fucking grip shit. Right. (laughs) What are are you doing? Do we, am I missing something? Are there like three extra zeros at the end of this production that I don't fucking know about? Like, what's going on? I I think I read about, there was a, did you see recently? I don't know if you saw it. There was a documentary on Netflix. It was about social influencers. Okay. And it wasn't that interesting, really. But I, but so there's this guy in Canada who's like, a, I don't even know his fucking name, but he's like a, a weightlifting influencer, right? Like yeah, a fitness yeah. guy. Yeah, I saw this and actually. Go ahead. You know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? I, yeah, think, go ahead. I think they show his YouTube channel, and maybe he's got like 200,000 subs yeah. on his YouTube channel, right? Right. This dude's got like three assistants. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, 200,000 subs, like, that's bring, you're bringing in like 80K a year. Like, right. what is this guy doing? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think you bring up a good point. I think it messes up the creative process after a while. Uh, some of our best years on the Opie and Anthony show was uh, in Boston, obviously. And then when we first came to New York, and we didn't have much of a staff. And then it got completely out of control. We had such a full-time staff. And then you have to worry about all their issues, trying to get yeah. their raises. Then you got to fire people. Then they need vacation, and they need this. And then they're in a bad mood. And it, it, it was just... It was exhausting to to try to keep uh, track of this whole staff. And but did you find that without the staff, it forced you to be more creative? I uh, think, of course, and, and find interesting solutions to stuff rather than just like point at some dude and be like, figure this out. You know, I'm a producer by nature, and one of the mistakes I've made over the years was hiring too many people and and mm-hmm. getting too hands off. And now that I don't have any of that, it's kind of nice to be like uh, a full time producer. Again, yeah. um, because I, I really do like that. But it, there was a time like I was falling in love and I wanted to start a family. And, and it all kind of started making sense to like give up uh, a lot of control on a lot of these things. Yeah. So I could actually have a life outside the radio show. So it made sense. But then it got to a point where it's like, oh, my God, what did we do? We hired a, we hired a massive staff and, <laughs> and, and it, it got too much, you know, and, and you see that same thing happen um, when you go on a set to do anything. It's unbelievable yes. <laughs> how many people are hired. Like, hi, my name's Josh. Hi, Josh. What do you do? Well, I'm gonna walk you from the dressing room to the edge of the <laughs> to the edge of the stage, and then you get to the edge of the stage. It's like, hi, my name's Alan. What do you do? Well, actually, I'm gonna now walk you from this point actually onto the set. Oh my god, that's hilarious! But, <laughs> but you look around, yeah, you're like, true. how many people are working on this dumb little yeah. thing that I'm about yeah. to do? Yeah. No, where I come from, the camera guy is also the fucking audio guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't even. I come from like nothing. Like when I go do car review videos, right? Like I, I, I'm by myself. Like I literally bring yeah. clamps, like actual <laughs> yeah. metal clamps, right? And I clamp cameras to telephone right. poles three right. at a time, yeah. And then drive by. <laughs> like I literally like just leave my cameras on the side of the fucking road, yeah. And then drive away. <laughs> yeah, <that's awesome. laughs> come by and drive again. <laughs> Like, like, there's like, you don't need a human for this. Like, no, no, I, 
I, I, so, yeah. I, I kind of like it, to be honest with you. I like uh, this part of my career. So Now, do you have celebrities that park their cars over there? Yeah. I know you probably can't have, mention names, but. I'm not going to mention names. And, and actually, the answer is really no. Um, there's a couple of people that we have that you could call corporate celebrities, meaning you probably don't know their name, but if I told you it was the CEO of a certain company, you'd go, Oh, I, yeah. Okay. I could figure out, you know what I mean? That's awesome. Um, So we have a couple of those, but no, it's not, you know, it's not, um, (laughs) I wish I could say that it was really super glamorous like that, but it's not, it's, you know, if you're, you know, if you're at a certain level in the car world in this city uh, in la where we are you're talking about a seinfeld or a leno you know uh or a gabriel iglesias or a jeff dunham um these guys have buildings they are they, they, they have their own big fucking building yeah and so um my customer is somebody who is uh successful uh, certainly successful enough to buy a few toys, but is not so successful that they could blow four or five million dollars on a building right. that doesn't bring in any money. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, when you're a when you're a Seinfeld, bro, you don't give a fuck anymore. Like he doesn't he doesn't give a fuck. I gotta so. tell you, you mentioned Leno in there, and you you just mentioned uh, Seinfeld. Leno's car show blows away Seinfeld's car show. <laughs> And, and there's well, Leno's and, and Leno's basic about, is about cars. Yeah, but Leno's uh, much funnier, uh, naturally funnier than Jerry Seinfeld. So you know he's also. Oh, you think so? Yes, he's also doing his comedians in cars, uh, Jay Leno, basically. But it's it's more extreme. Oh, I think Jay Leno's way funnier than Jerry Seinfeld. Of course, I do. That's interesting. I think they're in person. I you know I I know I know both of them. Not to just like super Hollywood name drop, but like yeah. I find them both. Jay has the patience of a saint. Yeah. He talks to fucking strangers on the street yeah. and like listens to you. Oh yeah. Like I mean I I don't know. He has a special thing. His his patience is I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Right. And he's he's so fucking funny and he really really like he loves cars yeah. so much. Oh yeah. He loves cars. If he like you know, he probably would have been happy never doing the Tonight Show or whatever if he could have done Jay Leno's Garage starting when he was twenty three. A hundred percent. He's probably <clears throat> having way more fun now, and he's and he's talking to less people. Oh, he is. Uh, yeah, and, he and, is. No, he'll tell, yeah. he'll tell you straight yeah. up. He's like, I don't. You know, he's like they booked the guests on the fucking Tonight Show because they got the movie coming out. Not right. that I thought they were interesting. Right. You know what I mean, I, I get it because I'm having more fun now, and I, I don't talk to even close to the yeah. amount of people I used to talk to, and I certainly don't make the money I used to make, but this is so much more fun. I think Jerry had was having a really good time making comedians in cars until he wasn't, and yeah. he stopped. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't do it because he needed the money. He did it because he thought it was fun. Yeah. And then he kind of got over it and just was like, yeah, you know, we're done now. I didn't even but know Jerry, he stopped. You know, Jerry doesn't like people. He's not. He, no, he, no, he's... he openly... No, no, I, I just met, doesn't I, like people. I met him a couple times and try to just strike up a conversation. Know what I got from him? Uh, Not much. <laughs> uh, That's kind of funny. No, That's it was funny. the truth, though. I'm not even going for a, a joke. It was just, uh, and then you're sitting there like, oh, my God. And then you would try something else, maybe a follow-up, and he would be like, yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> I only, you know, all, we, we've only ever talked about 
Porsches, really. So, well, you know, like we've talked about the, the minutiae of, oh, is the 68 or the 69 a little bit? Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like if you sit next to Jerry Seinfeld for 15 minutes and just listen to the amount of stupid shit people walk up and just say to him unsolicited. I mean, you'd fucking jump off a building if that was your day. <laughs> you know, imagine having to deal with that, but also being so rich that you right. kind of wish you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I actually like, I get it. I, I get I, I understand Jerry more than I understand Jay because I don't understand how Jay has the patience that he does. Look, I do understand why Jerry hates everybody because I hate everybody. Look, I got to preface it by <laughs> saying that I'm not even close to as famous as uh, Leno or Seinfeld. But I, but in the heyday of O&A, I, I, I understand. And I think that's one reason why I live so far away from people now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When did it turn? What, the fans? Yeah. Oh, no, I, I love them to this day, but it, it just got kind of um, it, it, it was just uh, the same questions over and over again that, you know, that uh, puts you into a state of uh, not really, um, you know, paying attention because because it was it was almost robotic. You, you, you know, you knew you were going to hear the same exact questions, you know, mm-hmm. where's mm-hmm. Anthony? Where's this? <laughs> you know, just just the same shit over and over again. That's all. Yeah. But oh, God, I love them to this day. They gave me a great life. Are you kidding me? But I just, you know, I just uh, needed to kind of move on from that uh, that craziness. And uh, yeah, and, I, and I'm not trying to be like I'm not trying to be a dick either. Like I, I like fans. I don't I could have walked away from my job if I really hated fans. I'm not talking about fans. I'm just talking about like. Like I, I think it happens to a lot of comics, but especially Seinfeld, where right. people will just walk up to you and not even be like, "Hi, Jerry," and oh. then have a question. They'll just go oh. right into whatever. Oh, oh no, it, no, man, it get, it gets weird. So yeah, super there were, weird. There was a time like I was just starting to date my wife, and then obviously we were newlyweds after that, and we'd be out at uh, restaurants. And fans would come up uh, to get a picture and say hi, and they felt like they knew me uh, to the point where they would actually sit down at the table. <laughs> they would sit down at the table, and then oh my god, and I would be sitting there like, oh my god, what do we do now? You know, and and you don't want to be a dick, but uh, I guess we gave that vibe on the air, and uh, it was just really, it was just really strange uh, some days. Yeah. That's all. And then, you know, at the height, especially when you're like a YouTuber, like it's even more so I can imagine when it's morning radio and and you and you have this such an approachable vibe because then you're allowing fans into the studio sometimes, you know, everyone, they always think, oh, that could be if I just met him, man, I swear. Yeah. If I just had one beer with that, yeah, beer, yeah, yeah. I swear we would be best friends. Oh, forever. yeah, it's all that. It's It was all yeah. that. But we, yeah. when we were at the height of our success, you, you got to remember, there was no smartphone. So if you liked a radio show, oh, my goodness, because there was, yeah. no, there was no other entertainment, really, until you got home and then you turned on the TV. So uh, our studios were at 57th and 7th Street. This was this was the WNEW uh, years, you know, when we got back on satellite, the smartphones were just starting, so it was starting to dwindle at that point. Even when I because I first started listening to you guys because I, I slinging herb in college and like fucking doing the duffel shuffle. Yeah, I had the truck with the TVs in it. I went crazy. It was two thousand and one, two thousand two. So everybody was putting TVs in the truck. So I had TVs <laughs> oh, in the truck, awesome. and I had the first ever. 
XM radio that right. you could get in, installed. It was like an Alpine aftermarket XM yes. radio. Yes. And then they came out with the DVR. Do you remember they had the DVR? That one I don't remember, to be honest with so you. So somebody, I would Pioneer or Alpine or somebody, made an XM radio TiVo. Wow. And you could set bands, songs, or radio shows for it to record while you were like not in the fucking car. So I'd listen to O&A going to work in the morning, and then I'd have the TiVo record the second half of the show, and I'd listen to it on the way home. Holy shit. That was way before uh, it's time. Dude, I think this, it was like a brick, dude. It was like yeah. the size of your Zoom recorder. It yeah. was a big brick. I had mounted <laughs> on the dash. Right on. And it, uh, you know, and it held like a couple hundred hours of fucking, so I would tag Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots and whatever, and it would record you know, playlists off of XM. That's badass. That was way before On Demand started. Yeah, no, this was like 2001, 2002. This was old school. That's yeah, crazy. it was cool. I, By the way, I wanted, I had one thing about the Jay Leno thing. So I watch his show from time to time. And as we've yes. discussed in the past, I'm not a huge car guy, but I'm fascinated by it. Uh, what, what went wrong with that stunt driver? episode i'm sure you saw it that old stunt- oh that old guy who rolled the car holy <laughs> shit and then jay leno is quick with the jokes when they're checking on him to make sure everyone's okay in the cars like what's your name and the guy said his name where are you and he said the track and then they go to jay leno what's your name and he said the name of the stunt driver so fucking quick and so fucking funny after he almost got killed by this guy it was the is such a pro <laughs> he is like but that car rolled. Yeah, no, so yeah go ahead yeah, walk so me through that what happened did you want to know like the actual mechanics of what happened there uh, whatever is interesting man i don't care well, so let's it do had, it it was like a it was almost like a drag car right it had those big sticky tires in the back right what happens with with tires the guy was kind of like doing a burnout like when you spin the tires and make the smoke right yeah and so when you do that for a couple seconds, it gets the tires like real hot and sticky. Okay. And the car, the, the back end started to go sideways, right? To slide. Right. When that happens, when you're drifting or going sideways and sliding, when you want to get out of that, you, you back off the throttle very slowly. Because if you back off the throttle very quickly, two things will happen. One, the, the tires, which no, which are no longer ha- spinning from the horsepower, will all of a sudden just stick and grab, right? Okay. Because there's no more power going to them. And two, the weight will transfer off of the back onto the front of the car. Now, this particular car that this guy was driving, rather than being a low, wide, stable drift car, he tried to do this maneuver in a high, narrow, unstable drag car. And when you do, he, rather than getting off the throttle lightly, he got off the throttle very quickly because he panicked when it started to slide. Yeah. And that quick off the throttle caused a very rapid weight transfer, which then caused the tires to suddenly bite very hard, but from the side, oh my which God. then caught an edge, like if you were skiing. Yeah. You know, caught an edge and, and then flipped it over. Jesus. 
So that that's probably too, your fucking audience is definitely like, what is this guy on no, about the mechanics of a car? No. And no, I find it fascinating. But the problem is you have Jay Leno in the passenger seat when it I happened. I know, dude. You got, I mean, Jesus, imagine that guy, the fucking insurance broker. Right. But he got great footage for his TV show. That thing rolled. He did. That thing rolled like eight times, I think. <laughs> he did get good footage. <laughs> At first, you're scared and you go, that's the trailer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that you just uh, took a hit as we're doing the podcast. I miss, oh, I miss Matt Farrer, man. Am I man. not allowed? Oh, yeah. Am I not allowed to smoke weed on the podcast? You're all I'm good. I'm in California. It's legal. I'm on my own property. Well, Can you I'm, come out on the deck? Is the no, is the background noise okay? Everything's good. I, I'm listening to the ocean, so it doesn't matter. But I, I I'm had, sponsored. Can I plug my my sponsor, Tradecraft Farms, people, the official ganja of the Smoke Entire Podcast? Well, well how about they definitely? Set, well, now that you mentioned it on my podcast, they better send me a little something, something. Mm -hmm. Bro, we can hook it up. All right, good. Uh, They're from New York. They're ONA fans. Oh, Go right on. on. Uh, Jackie yeah. the Joke Man, I did a podcast with him recently, and, mm -hmm. and it was really, really good. And then he was talking about his uh, his harvest, let's just say. He uh, he openly brags about it, so fuck it. But he, he grows marijuana in his goddamn attic. <laughs> and, and it's like a jungle. Like it's the 70s? Dude, it's like a jungle. He And he owns... <laughs> He owns one of those old school houses where you go in the attic and, you know, it, yeah. it, it's a point. So you got to bend down half the time when you're in there and there's a tiny little window. Like in Christmas vacation. Yes. And the whole attic, it, it was filled like a jungle. You couldn't That's even hysterical. move through the attic. And he, I guess he, uh, you know, he uh, he harvested recently and he goes, I'll send you some. Listen, bro, that's fucking... That's penny smart and dollar foolish. He could literally have an entire fucking brand of joke man ganja out here. Right. There could, he could be. He could have a licensing deal for millions of dollars. Yeah. Out here and have a whole fucking warehouse, fifty thousand square feet. Yeah. Growing legal out here wow. with his fucking smiling face on the box. I know. And go I know. buy this fucking joke man Joker strain. This shit's fire. Like. On billboards, but is it still a good business now that every celebrity's getting into it? It seems like it's a very tough <clears throat> business now. It's a much hard. It's one of those businesses that seems very glamorous, but yeah. it's actually very difficult. Right, I I, I believe the it. The regulations are crazy. Right, but the the couple of places I have visited, uh, some farms. You know, you start talking about weed on the podcast, all the growers start inviting you to their grows. Yeah, and so <laughs> nice. So. I've visited four or five big, big grows around L.A., and some some of the people that are doing it are, whew, oh, my God, are they doing it? I, I could mean, imagine. They're doing it. Yeah. The Tradecraft guys, my sponsors, like, they're G as fuck. If you're driving on the 10 freeway east to, and you're driving uh, across downtown L.A., yeah. right when you cross the 110 freeway interchange, right after that, when you're going east, you will be hit. Drive, do it in a convertible. Do yourself a favor. You will hit a wall of ganja so dense and thick, you will think you just ran over like a dozen skunks. Oh, my God. And when that happens, you turn your head to the right. Yeah. And you see the, a red brick building next to the freeway that says Tradecraft Farms yeah. right on the roof. <laughs> Holy shit. How do, yeah. how do they guard their product? If, with if, guns on the roof. For real? Guys with guns on the roof. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they don't fuck around. Guns on the roof. Remember, like, the L.A. riots, the fucking Koreans oh, yeah. on the roof? Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course. Like that. Wow, no kidding. 
Yeah, huh. and the shit's right in the middle of Skid Row, so it's crazy. There's like fucking so many crackheads outside, right? And there's like millions of dollars of ganja <laughs> inside. It's a really weird, <laughs> like homeostasis that's been right. reached. That's, that's, that's not nice, man. Those guys, those those poor what? guys. Yeah. Uh, what the crackheads? Yeah, to be so close to to heaven like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, you know, if they if they unionized, right. it would be over. <laughs> It's so cool, but but Jackie might have uh, sent me a sample, and now my whole kitchen smells like it. I, I, you know. Nice. Well, but I, I mean, he's crazy because what he sent me was uh, uh, a lot. Let's just say a lot. Oh, well, every you know, one person's a lot is a little is another person's. You know, oh, that, I mean, that's true, I guess, but uh, I don't know. Could you wait? Was it enough that if you wanted to, you could use it as an ottoman? Oh God, no, Jesus! Then that's not a lot. <laughs> it was like if you were mailing an old uh, VHS tape, let's just say. Oh well, yeah. For you, that's like a year worth. <laughs> I mean, of you, course, it is. Yeah, for you, that's a lot. But then, how he <laughs> sent it to to be vague? I, I'm now paranoid. I'm like, are, why are you taking these type of chances? I know, bro. You- let me tell you something. The USPS is still the best way. Yeah, it's still the best way. And it was, and and there's a lot of reasons we should support the USPS, like you know, voting and everything they fucking do. The fact that they'll carry something across the whole goddamn country for you for fifty cents—it's amazing. But the fact that they're a little squashed for resources right now, yeah, is pretty good for people who feel like sending drugs in the mail. I'll uh-huh. be honest. All right, all right, fair enough. Inspections are light on the USPS. I think it's okay. I you know I mean if if they decided to bust me I'd be outside my house like who the fuck would send me this Bro, I didn't ask LA for right this now, like if you go to the the website of like LAX airport like their official yeah. website they they have an official ganja policy right that, that is like that is about carrying weed through LAX airport and the official policy is it is your responsibility to be familiar with the laws at the other end of your flight. Oh my God! Really? That's the stated policy at LAX. Yeah, it's written on the website. You can go look right now. Wow! It's, I when I first read that, I was like, "Oh my God!" Yeah, and I had never, I had never traveled on a plane with actual like flowers before. I brought like edibles and pens and whatever. Yeah, I fuck it, fuck it. I read that policy. I was like, "Here we go," and I brought. 27.9 grams on my next Jesus. <laughs> nah, no problem. Well, we're living culture. in a different world. I've talked to the cops in New York, and uh, you know, now, fuck. before the coronavirus, when you would go downtown, you would smell weed all over the place now. You know, but 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. You'd smell it here and there as people are sneaking off and trying to get, you know, a few hits in, whatever. But now it's pretty much, uh, people are pretty much uh, openly smoking it, and the cops go, yeah, it's it's a parking ticket at this point. If we yeah. even want to deal with it, we just uh, let it happen now because it's pretty obvious that it should be legal in all 50 states. Yeah, and everybody who's in prison for it should be just released. Of course. Hey, uh, speaking of drugs, our good friend Carl Ruiz, man, mm. when I would walk the streets Do in I New like York. like where this is going? Uh, well, when we walked the streets in New York City, he was such a street person. He would show me all sorts of stuff that was happening right in front of your eyes that the average person like myself had oh, no, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. The, the girl with the suitcase at the bus terminal, right? Oh, I well, remember that. that story was fucking classic. Yeah, it was outside yeah. the Port Authority. We were, we were at a bar, 
And Carl goes outside to have a cigarette. He comes back in and he goes, oh, come here. I want to I teach you something. I'm like, all right, what's up? And we look through the window and there's, there's, there was this really nervous girl with two suitcases that just got off a bus. And, she, and he goes, you notice how she's staying about five or six feet away from those suitcases? I'm like, yeah. Um, she's freaking out because those two suitcases are filled with drugs and she's, <laughs> and she's making, uh, you know, she's, she's making, she's uh, mewling. She's, she, yeah, she's basically mewling and she's waiting for someone to come and get the goddamn suitcases. And she was pacing and walking and she wouldn't be too close to the suitcases. And I'm like, this is crazy. And we watched the whole thing go down and a guy shows up with a car and, uh, he puts the damn suitcases in, in the car. And then she literally walks off. Like yeah. she, she has nothing to do with this guy. It, yeah, it, it, they were making a, a a big fucking deal, um, and she was acting like she just got off a bus from uh, the Midwest and was waiting for her uh, her person to pick her up. But uh, holy shit! But Carl could see all that stuff, and everyone yeah, else he, would just do the angles. Yeah, everyone else would see this girl with the two suitcases and think, oh, nah, she's just waiting for her ride. But it was way more than that. But one other time, Carl showed me that. Uh, oh my god! It probably whatever. But a lot of the garages in New York City, uh, drug dealers use. Like so, you well, you just drop the car, right, and then you get the car out with the ticket. Well, basically, you know, you there's a guy like you, you need drugs or whatever, and then he he ta- talks to the next guy who goes down into a garage, and one of the cars deep in the garage has the drugs, and then he comes up, yeah. gives it to the guy. So the guy who's making the the deals left and right, he only has a little bit on him, but the actual. Yeah. The actual drugs are deep in a car in the in the bottom of a garage in New York City. And I watched that shit go down with Carl once. We, we were on a sidewalk, and he goes, oh, check that out. I'm like, what? It's just, he goes, no, watch. You'll see that same guy about five or six times going into that, into that garage and coming back out five or ten minutes later. And he was right. That's hilarious. God. He had... He had- he he knew those patterns, you know, to 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 look for. Yeah, he definitely had that ability. Did I tell you, I had guy on the on the show. On yes, show, I'm jealous. On the uh, on the anniversary of uh, of Carl's passing, which actually was co- coincidental. I, I didn't I didn't plan for it to work out on the day, but yeah, you know, God, does that guy bring the fucking heat when he does radio? I mean, Jesus, he did fucking ninety minutes of just just gold upon gold. Yeah, he's great. He's absolutely yeah. great. Uh, we've been keeping in touch, and he keeps going. When am I doing your podcast? And I I don't I I just gotta do it. I don't know why I haven't, but. Yeah, you should, dude. He's he's the best. I I mean, I don't I you know, I he got I it's such a bummer that I never got to be in the same fucking room as him and Carl together. Oh forget like, that it. super sucks. Oh forget and, it. like and and uh but but I'll tell you what, you know, the fact that when we went up to his place and he gave me his number yeah. and he goes, I'll tell you what, you know, you, I'll, I'm gonna text you for car shit. You text me for food shit. Yeah, because I told him like you know how I could always go to Carl with any food question. Right. And uh, and sure as shit, he texts me car questions and I text him food <laughs> questions. He gets back to me in fucking thirty seconds. I mean, it's um, it's unbelievable. And, I'm like I'm like a nobody, and you know he makes the time. It's amazing. And who set that up for you, Matt Farah? You did. You did, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That that you know it was um, a, it was a year ago that we uh, we had all that fun up there in Santa Rosa uh, filming grocery games and going to get oysters and going to guy's house for his housewarming party and uh, God how much fun was that? The man has good taste. 
And but, those oysters were the jam. I yeah. love that point. The Point Reyes oysters are the shit. I'll fucking, that's worth a drive every time. 100%. I'm glad we did that. But it was so weird because in the back of our head, we're like, God, we're having so much fun because Carl's dead. i know it's morbid but we're like me and you were having the time of our lives we're filming grocery games that was fun then we go to guy fietti's house and that's just one big giant blowout party and i'm like oh it would have been more fun if fucking carl no shit no shit no shit it would have (laughs) been i'm not even i'm not even close to over that shit man nah dude i got i got a i have a a portrait of Carl hanging in my office. Oh, that's beautiful. I was. Yeah, it's in. It's in like. It's uh. You know I, that um. The shirt I made. Didn't I give you one? The yeah, don't trust it was your awesome. own taste. Yeah, with it was the whole awesome. the pizza doing the fucking salt sprinkle. Yeah, it was. Awesome. I have that as like a three, a two by three portrait on my wall. Right on. In like a fucking gold, like one of those frames, like you'd have a fucking Renaissance painting. <laughs> right, right. That's it's, so cool. It's really over the top and stupid. It's exactly right. How was driving around the country during the coronavirus? You and you and the wife took a little vacation. Yeah, it was it was great and it was weird. Uh, it was a bunch of things. My so my friend Rob puts on this thing called Adventure Drives, which is like a curated luxury road trip. Um, we used to do these like road rally things that sure they were like thinly veiled endurance street racing, you know, kind of pseudo cannonball type shit. Yeah, and we got over it. Like, we just weren't that into that anymore. And so now Rob puts on these luxury road trips. And so they're, you know, focused on scenic roads and good places, you know, beautiful hotels and et cetera, et cetera. So we were supposed to go through Canada. Uh, and, and it was supposed to be like Seattle up into Canada and then down into uh, like Jackson Hole. So it ended up being across the, the, the American side of the Pacific Northwest, which was anyway. Um, but it was weird because like every state like had their own rules, which was strange, you know, like we had to like, okay, this state you can dine, uh, you can have dining tables that are, you know, outdoors, but no more than eight people at a table. And the next state was like indoors, you know, (laughs) it was like very inconsistent. Right. Um, they brought, um, this ER doctor, uh, from Columbia in New York uh on on the trip with us and having her there was like so great because i mean they were, you know we were taking all your 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 basic you know known precautions at this point the mask the sanitizer the washing of the hands you know repeat right right but um and if you do those things you know according to this extremely experienced doctor those three things are enough to to really really reduce the risk to almost to very 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 low yeah but what was weird about it was that a lot of other people had this idea as well pretty much everybody this summer was like oh, okay can't leave the country uh beaches are some open some closed uh everybody's what can we do road trip like everybody had right. that idea so all the park stuff were really very busy <laughs> um, shit. so and and the small towns like yellow knife in in montana um not Yellowknife, I'm sorry, Whitefish, uh, Montana, and Jackson Hole, places like that were like fucking slam. <sighs> you know, look, we're 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 healthy, we take vitamins, you know, we we believe in science and took all the precautions and and got tested when we got home and, and it was fine. Yeah. And uh and and I take pretty good care of myself for a fat guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh you're not fat you know it's, it's kind of weird when you've got 
you know, other friends that are substantially more cautious yeah. than you are yeah. and still fucking bleaching their groceries and stuff. And you yeah. go, <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm one of your friends that do all that. Although we stopped with the grocery thing. Uh, we're good in that regard. And, and, uh, you just explained what a lot of, um, families and, and friends are, are dealing with, you know, you got families that, some members are like fuck it and other family members are like you know taking it too seriously i'm fortunate enough to have such a good spot here way out east on long island that um it makes it very easy to be uh over cautious um yeah if i didn't have that this spot and i was back in new york city i think i would be letting my guard down a, a little more now you know because uh, you do want to move on with your fucking life but uh, i i just don't know what the right thing to do is i really just don't. i mean look i we spent 10 days with an er doctor who at one point had seen more COVID patients per day than any doctor in america back yeah. in april it was like 270 or something she said repeatedly that if everybody would just wear a mask indoors and wash their fucking hands and use hand sanitizer after they touched each other or anything in public. Right. This would be over in three weeks. The, the, so, oh God. Now we're if a hundred percent of people did that, yeah. this would be over in three weeks. And now, you know, now you mentioned the mask and then that has become political, which I, I said so long ago when this first <clears throat> thing started, I said, at the very least, look, we all disagree politically all over the fucking place here, but let's at least agree that the mask is a good thing as we try to get through this coronavirus. Yeah, I know that's uh, that's the right thing to do. And she says if we all did that three weeks and we're good, and we just can't do that. Yeah, it's, it's like a little bit annoying. It is. Wearing a mask sucks. I don't enjoy it. I, I hate do it. it. For the fucking fashion. Yeah. But, like, you do it because on the odd chance that, you know, you are this, you know, mildly symptomatic carrier or whatever. You don't want to get people sick. Now, look, me and my wife are very lucky. I mean, we're not we're we're, we're lucky for a lot of reasons, but we don't have kids. And so people who do have young kids, I totally am sympathetic. I don't know what that's like. Right. Also, both of our parents live in New York. Right. We live in California. It sucks that we can't see them, but we're not concerned about bringing diseases home to them. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we can be a little bit more liberal with our activities right because we're we have a we have like a circle of other adults that also don't have kids and also aren't seeing their parents yeah it's all right yeah that makes sense it's, just, it's for us it's an inconvenience more than anything else other people are not nearly as lucky as we are we both have jobs yeah. So, who knew that washing your hands keeps uh, all sorts of colds and flus away too, man? You know how many colds and flus I've had over the years, but I've been so good because I, I I'm uh, constantly cleaning my hands and sanitizing. I know people. My my parents were calling me and they go, "You should really get a flu shot." I'm like, "Mom, I don't leave my house without putting a fucking mask on." You think yeah. I'm gonna get sick? Yeah. <laughs> get out of here. I know. I'm carrying a I'm carrying a purse with hand sanitizer in it. Like that's nuts. Hey, yeah, uh, that's the biggest difference. The biggest difference for me is since since March, I now have a man purse. Uh, <laughs> there you go. And I'll be honest with you, dude. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ever going to go back. Really? Like <laughs> yeah, but like see, it. you could pull off the man purse. Uh, it leads to one other thing I wanted to talk to you about. But <laughs> I, I was on the Bourbon Blog uh, podcast, and uh, Tom, he's a really good host and really knows his bourbons. Well, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that show. Yeah, they I, invited I, me on. I'm gonna do that show. Yeah, I turned you on to that too. You son of a bitch. 
Okay. You said <laughs> no, I'd do it, so I hit up kidding. fucking Matty Rock. Okay. <laughs> no, what kidding. do you want, a fucking medal? <laughs> I'm kidding. We're, we're friends. I'm just busting your balls. But he, <laughs> he, he, uh, his thing is to wear bow ties, and he was wearing a, a pink bow tie when I did it with him last Saturday. And just like you with the man purse, this guy, Tom, could pull off not only a bow tie, he could pull off a pink bow tie. But if I wear a pink bow tie, you're going to notice. <laughs> and you're going to notice in a bad way. Some guys could pull off some of these things and others can't. Like we went to Disney last year and my wife got like, uh, you know, uh, the man purse thing. And I'm like, I can't fucking wear that. I can't pull that shit off. So then I had to walk around with all my goddamn pockets full. <laughs> By the I'm way, not sure I could pull off a bow tie, and uh, I definitely don't do the man purse for fashion. I do it for convenience because yeah, I got to carry fucking so many keys and shit now with the shop. Yeah, I and I got to carry the sanitizer. Yeah. and I'm looking in there right now. I got a leather man in there, and I got a pen, and and it's fucking kind of nice. And my wallet, I got a business card holder too. It's a bunch of shit I don't want in my fucking pockets. Nice. Although, wait. By the way, about this bow tie thing, I don't. It's not just that you couldn't pull off a bow tie. It's that I don't even think I'd buy you in a fucking suit. No, God. No. Like if I saw you on the street and you were wearing a suit, no, and everything else about you was the same, I yeah. don't think I'd recognize you. I um, <laughs> I only wear suits and barely. I barely wear suits to weddings at this point. I used to wear suits uh, only to wakes and weddings, and now it's down to only wakes. When you, yeah, because I guess I guess it's if you're paying for the wedding, you don't have to wear a fucking suit to it, right? Well, I, I'll I'll dress up and I'll have a I'll have a collared shirt and I'll sort of have a suit jacket that I, you know I barely put on, and then I lose the tie quickly. Yeah, that I'm that guy. I always have been. My like this podcast started. My dad sent me down this road, man. He goes, you're you gonna would be such a hilarious person to have on like Queer Eye. Oh God. Yeah. I just imagine you like fucking fashionable. Imagine yeah. you dress like Pharrell. Yeah, no, man. I, 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 when I did the the Bourbon Blog podcast, I had my sweatpants on with the hole in it, where my dick and balls were out all summer. And I didn't even know. I didn't even know I had. A, I didn't know I had a hole in my goddamn sweatpants until my wife said, "Holy shit, I could see your dick and balls." And and uh, I told the story on the Bourbon uh, Blog podcast. But basically, I'm like, wait a minute, if you could see my dick and balls. So many people on the beach have seen my dick and balls because I do a lot of fishing and I sit back in my beach chair. Uh, I had no fucking idea, man. <laughs> You're no literally idea. committing a crime all day long as people walk by. Hundred percent. But but is it a crime if you had no idea? Um, uh, is there's no what a mens rea? <laughs> <Is that something>? <laughs> <laughs> but I took care of it. I finally uh, said, okay, I can't, I can't wear these uh, sweatpants anymore without. Well, maybe, without maybe this underpants is your. On. Wait, I, but this is your angle, dude. You could be like Lululemon guy. Oh God, why? You don't think you can be because you live in Long Island and not Santa Monica. Yeah. But if you exactly were, if you were exactly the same, except you lived in Santa Monica, and not Long Island. Yeah. You would own the entire Lululemon store. I actually uh, own a bunch of their shorts, and they're they're beautiful. Yeah, I, 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 I wear I, that shit. I, I actually wear, I, I wear I, their stretchy shit. It's delightful. It's very nice. Uh, I fish in those things. I swim. Uh, it's an all-purpose uh, short for me. By the way, with that Bourbon um, uh, Blog podcast, uh, giving them a big plug here, but I, I finally broke open the bourbon uh, that you and Dave sent me. Don't give me any credit. Dave sent you that. Yeah, but you hooked me up. 
Uh, that's well, why I was. Yeah, that's why I was busting your balls. He was like the biggest Opie fan ever. Yeah, that's why I was busting your balls. Though we, we've taken, <laughs> we, we've taken care of each other. But yeah, Dave sent me these uh, these three bottles. He sent me uh, what is it called? The sensor bourbon or something like that? One barrel? Uh, I don't know what he sent you. Actually, he didn't. He didn't run it by me first. I think it was called sensor bourbon or something. Maybe. Like, yeah. Okay. I don't know. But that's what I broke open, and uh, God, it was damn fucking good, man. He is, uh, my friend Dave is like one of those collectors that just went so hard at the fucking paint at the bourbons. He joined all the Facebook groups and they were like trading them and yeah. he's going to estate sales, like trying to buy oh, yeah. <laughs> bourbon out of like, for, he, he bought a rack of bourbon from, from, uh, an elderly woman, uh, up the road you know uh and and she didn't really know what she had and he gave her some money for it but he fucking went home and you know it was like prohibition era bourbon he took the he took it to christie's he made tens of thousands of dollars no way really <laughs> yeah yeah and he's got at his house in in la he's got like 300 grand 400 grand in bourbon on the wall no I mean, shit yeah come to la dude you come out remember we, we, we were supposed to and then the world stopped but uh well, now you can get on a fucking plane and not have to worry about you, getting COVID. You know and where you we're can come out here and fucking we can go drink bourbon at Dave's house. You know you're a hundred percent right because I'll tell you where my world stopped, and then you got to tell me where your world stopped. This would actually be an interesting uh, thing to, to to ask people. So I went uh, to a Broadway show. I saw David Burns on Broadway, and it was an amazing oh, was it show. Awesome? And now it's on HBO as a documentary. That was the last time I was out in public for real. Like we went to that show and we had dinner and it was awesome. And a mere, I don't know, like week, maybe two weeks later, the whole world shut down. But the next thing I was supposed to do after that was fly out to L.A. because you invited me to a Pearl Jam show. And that's yep. exactly where my life stopped for now. Yeah. Do you know do I you, where, where did your life fortunate. stop? Well, I was super lucky because totally coincidentally, uh, uh, from like February 21st to March 3rd, yeah, I was on a yacht in Tahiti. Oh my. Oh, that's right. And I like, remember that. Yeah. Planned vacation. Right. Sailing, sailing a 50 foot catamaran around Tahiti with my wife and family and friends. It was the fucking best. I mean, you can't, you cannot dream up a better vacation than that. I mean, right. it's just the most perfect you know, Google the word vacation, and this is the fucking postcard that comes up. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, like, it, it replaced me with an Instagram hoe, and it's just everything, you know? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and we came back. We came back on March 3rd. My parents came from New York to visit us the 5th and 6th, and then they locked, uh, they locked it down on the 11th. Yep. That's about but right. But I knew it was weird. I knew it was weird when we landed in Tahiti was the first time I'd ever had my temperature taken by one of those touchless things. Yeah. You know, we got off the plane, they point the laser. And see, you know, right, I right, know. right. I go, all right, well, that was that was weird, but like, okay, you know, we're on an island in Asia, and we knew it was going to be something when we got back to L.A., and everybody was like, how was it? And I was talking about the boat and the water and the islands, and they they all they wanted to know was about COVID, and there was, there was no COVID in Tahiti. We were on a fucking boat. I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. Fine. And then, and then five days later, it was like, Calvin, when uh, Gavin Newsom, our, our, um, our governor, said two weeks shut down, like right when he said that, I was like, two years. Of course. Two years, easy. Of course. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think we're dealing with this until next summer. 
And I, yeah, th- I think at that point, the drugs will be much better to the point where you know you're not going to officially die from it, although the odds of dying from it are slim, and I understand I should say that. But uh, but it gets into your stupid head, obviously. And and, it, and if the drugs get better where you know you're absolutely not going to die from this, then I think we could start going back to some type of normalcy, whatever that is. It's going to be a new normal, obviously, right? I guess. It's a, it's a fucking shitty-ass struggle, and, and people are getting fucked. Yeah. Uh, right. incompetent oh. <laughs> incompetent management oh my <laughs> god just fucking people every single day we could we could and, do another uh, episode in the very near future and, and go down that road my friend yeah. i was trying to keep All this right. one lighted yeah yeah, yeah. i figured as much today. so uh send me some stuff you know from uh your oh, new yeah. sponsor what's what's that sponsor give him another plug on my podcast trade trade craft farms here in la beautiful the, purve- the official ganja <laughs> purveyor of this beautiful entire podcast and uh matt farrer his uh podcast is excellent the smoking tire man uh bravo so. yeah it's it's still going strong everyone else can check out the session on air also we're doing remember what i told you about the breakdowns oh, yes on instagram live you got to watch it because we're doing jeremy and like a stone it's going to be so good what, what do you have to say about jeremy well i mean not about the meaning behind the song but like one of the what we're doing the session on air on instagram my friend christian james and he deconstructs rock music so you listen to the original stems yes you know so just the drums just the bass yes just the guitar. so people a lot of people like make fun of how eddie vetter sings if you hear eddie vetter sing without a band it's absolutely extraordinary I mean, his his vocal talents are off the charts. And also, we're doing Like a Stone. Think about Chris Cornell. Right. No music. You know what I mean? Just those vocals. Holy shit. And Tom Morello's solo on that. But in, Jer- in Jeremy, Jeff, uh, Jeff Amen plays a 12-string bass. And that's why Jeremy has the unique sound to it that makes it almost impossible for any fucking bar band to cover it properly. Yeah. People don't just have 12 string bases around. This fucking show that uh, Matt Farrer turned me on to uh, about a year ago is so fucking amazing. It would easily be one of the top podcasts out there. He like he breaks down every song, like all these cool songs that we know and love. Like he did Ace of Spades. He does all kinds of crazy stuff, and he fi- and you hear shit in songs that you did not know was there. And and what it does is it's sh- it's not you're not looking for mistakes, and you're not looking for to see where the band couldn't play it and it was overproduced. You're you're literally hearing appreciating individual yeah. musicians' work yeah. that can sometimes get lost in the greater song. Like one of the best examples that I like to talk about is the song Rio. Sure. Um, by Duran Duran, which is a, a very good song, and in, on the surface is like pretty straightforward song, um, but like the baseline of it is like the guy's on fucking meth or something. It's like all over the fucking place. Yeah. Doesn't even repeat itself once, and you're like, how is this even yeah. part of that song? Yeah, yeah that's the point I was going to make, because uh, listening to the individual tracks of these songs you know and love, you can't believe that it's actually in the song, but when you put it all together, then it obviously makes sense. And that's why I brought up Ace of Spades with Lemmy. His vocals are terrible when they're just isolated. <laughs> if you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. The pleasure is to play, make no difference what you say. I don't say agreed. The only card I need is the ace of spades. The ace of spades.
You can't believe that that was actually a hit song. You're like, no one would buy that this guy could sing anything. Right? That makes no sense. Yeah, it goes the other way, too, sometimes. Right. You go, how did that get, <laughs> get by? And, and then you learn really cool things, too. I, I absolutely love what he does, man. I love yeah. it. He did uh, Jane's Addiction, uh, Been Caught Stealing. And the dog bark, you, you think some uh, Hollywood producer was like, I got a great idea for this song. We're going we're gonna to record a dog. But it turns out it's Perry Farrell, uh, uh, Perry's uh, dog that just happened to be in the studio that day, and he was barking. And Perry's like, let's record the stupid bark. And then they put it into the song, and it's, and it's epic, man. It's iconic. Yeah. No, there's all kinds of crazy stuff like that. Like when he gets the stems for the songs, like there's often like a track that's just called like extra shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that's where like the cowbells and the flutes and all kinds of weird stuff lives. Like right. we were doing a song last week called Force of Nature by Pearl Jam, which is like a B-side that most people don't know about, but I think is an amazing song. Yeah. They've only played it live 11 times. That's how fucking nerdy I am. Wow. And, uh, but there's like a whole like um i don't even I don't, I don't know what the instrument is called what is the the the, the main instrument on stevie wonder's superstition that's going that instrument okay it's like piano harpsichord something or other like you know funky funky piano right there's a whole track of that in the back of force of nature by pearl jam and i'm like where did this even come from and so yeah, christian man. was like remixing like just the drums like that funky thing and the vocal right and all of a sudden this like pearl jam rock song sounds like a stevie wonder like right. impression it's crazy yeah that's the other thing he does he mixes his own tracks it's it's you gotta really be in the music no i don't even think you really gotta no, you be in don't. music you just have it's, to like mildly appreciate yeah, music it's so unique god he does such a great job but anyway so we're doing that every friday at noon pacific he does it also like Wednesday nights. He posts the schedule on the Instagram. But we're, me and him, we had so much fun doing it. And I'm stuck at the shop every Friday. I'm working here. So we're going to do every Friday at noon Beautiful uh, a, a session. Uh, and so today we're going to do Pearl Jam. Uh, we're not going to always do Pearl Jam, but we're doing uh, Jeremy and Like a Stone today. Well, Like a Stone is an amazing song. Yeah. Oh I can't wait God. to hear the isolated vocal on that. All right. We're babbling. Matt Farah from The Smoking Tire, my friend. Thank you so much, buddy. Thanks, so. Good talking to you, man. Absolutely. Um, Talk soon. You got it. All right. Bye. All right. The awkward out. He's <laughs> my <laughs> And he hangs up. I got there goes the hang up. Me and Matt Farrow, good friends. And it's just so weird because we uh we talk and uh you know we'll we'll shoot the shit for an hour and then we're like, oh yeah, we should be uh podcasting too together from time to time. So then it's like you have to go into a different part of your personality to get a podcast done. So then you get the awkward uh goodbye. <laughs> that was that was awesome. Ah, whatever. All right, guys, uh, this episode was sponsored by OPRadio.com. The holiday's right around the corner. Get some goddamn merch and keep this podcast free. All right, later. Boo 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 bo